Edwards Life Sciences would like to express our gratitude for all those on the front lines of responding to this fluid situation with COVID-19. We appreciate the strong leadership and dedication of healthcare providers to patients around the world, and we express our care and concern for you during this challenging time. You're listening to Rock's Heart Radio. In this episode, Roxana Mehran talks with Michael Jaff and Christopher White about why physicians should be leaders in healthcare. Hello, everyone. This is uh, Roxana Moran uh, coming to you and on Rock's Heart Radio. I'm extremely pleased with my amazing colleagues and friends uh, uh, to to have a great discussion with uh, with them. Uh, this is uh, I have Michael Jaff on the line and uh, uh, and uh, Chris White. Um, Chris White and Michael, um, welcome to Rock's Heart Radio, and thank you for uh, coming on the show. Thanks. It's a pleasure, Rox. Thanks for having me. I thought a great discussion today, um, given the burnout that all of us physicians have been feeling doing our everyday clinical work, day in and day out, and really feeling unappreciated, unwanted, and and exhausted. Um, Many physicians are looking for some other options and, and something to jazz up who to feel good about themselves a little bit and a lot of it have to do a lot of them have to do and and look into pursuing leadership roles in hospital administration and health systems you both uh michael jaff as a a ceo of a of a major hospital in boston and you uh chris chris white as a a major uh head of the healthcare system over at Oshner have done such great work in this arena. How did you guys do this? How does one even think about uh, leadership roles in administration? Why don't we start first with you, Chris, uh, because you've been at this even a little bit longer than, than Michael. Yeah. Well, I, that's a great question, Ross. And, and let's just remember that I think the biggest thing that that helps me drive off burnout is having purpose in my in my job in my role, uh, and purpose for physicians is patient-centered, and those of us who want to have more control of our environment by taking leadership positions can really benefit our patients, and you can have great purpose at work uh, by making patient care better, and we do that even as clinicians without identified leadership roles. Every physician is a leader. Um, in his daily practice, but as you start to develop skills and tools to make yourself more effective at leading peers, which is what physician leaders do, um, you start to gather more scope, and that scope lets you touch more patients and more physicians. Uh, So that's basically I've gradually increased the scope of what I've done from initially running the cath lab to running the department to running the system. Um, I think it's been a gradual transition, and you get challenged with more if you're able to accomplish some things. Yeah, there's no question about that. Um, what about you, Michael? I mean, you really kind of uh, reached the uh, the top with uh, being appointed the CEO of Newton Wensley uh, uh, Hospital. You want to tell us how you even became interested, and what did you do? I know you did some training to kind of prepare yourself for that kind of a role. Well, thanks, Rox, but I must admit it was not on my bucket list 
to be a hospital president. It was just an opportunity <laughs> that came along. Um, and the head of my health system at the time that they began the search for that role was someone who I had worked for at Mass General and who knew me well. And so I reached out to him and said, hey, there were some components of this role that sound particularly interesting to me, but I've never done anything like this. And uh, his advice is advice that I give every young rising physician in whatever part of their lives they're in. If an opportunity comes along, throw your hat in the ring. First of all, you get great experience going through a search process. So you have to prepare to be interviewed by multiple people. You're asked questions that you've really not been asked before. You have to think on your feet. Uh, so it's a great learning experience. But the other reason to do it is if you don't get the job, odds are there are people on that search committee who did not know you before who now know you. And so when the next thing comes along, they might reflect and say, hey, remember Dr. Mayron, who applied for that job, she was really great. She'd be great for mm -hmm. this job. And so that's the reason that, that I tell people go for it, give it a try. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think it's great that, um, uh, that you're saying that because in that way, uh, that's sort of the, the, one of the reasons why a lot of us are thinking that some recognition outside of our peers, right, and, and understanding better who you are within even your own healthcare system. But I'd love to hear some of the good, some of the bad, some of the ugly. You know, I, I'm sure there's ups and downs for that as well, getting into hospital administration, isn't there? Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just jump in and say that, yeah. that uh, it, was, it was the hardest job I've ever had. Mm -hmm. without question. And uh, you need a support group. Uh, Chris was my support throughout most of my time. And, um, and, and the other thing I would tell you is that old phrase that we all never really got, it's lonely at the top. You learn what that means when you're the one at the top. Mm -hmm. So Chris? Uh, that's absolutely true, Michael. I I think the hardest part of, of a clinician's job, and remember that part of the reason that Michael and hopefully that I'm effective is because we, we have the clinical respect of our peers, right? I think it's very hard to lead outstanding clinicians and to lead change management, which is the hardest thing we do, uh, if, if you're not in the trenches with them. I, I still maintain my practice. I still see clinic patients. I'm, you know, people still consult me. Um, and I think it makes it much easier to have a conversation with a physician about some element of change management um, when you have their clinical respect. And so I tell youngsters not to give up clinical responsibilities at an early stage, um, that they want to make sure they're masters at their trade as they start to learn the clinical ladder. Or, I'm yeah. sorry, the administrative ladder. Yeah. Yeah, and but the administrative ladder is a is a tough one, right? I mean, I think one of the yep. things, uh, you know, and and how do you start kind of getting noticed? How do you start? Uh, what should like so someone like me who wants to get into administration, um, yep. how do I do that? So what I tell my the folks that I mentor, and I mentor quite a number of of young what we call emerging leaders, <clears throat> is that you have to be you have to get things done, right? You, when you say yes, you have to complete tasks. Um, if you say yes and can't complete tasks, then it becomes very difficult uh, to advance. And Michael and I are both uh, 
task completers. We get things done yeah. early. We we are on time. We um, you have to prioritize non-clinical things as highly as you prioritize your clinical things. If you miss meetings that you're running uh, because those doggone patients get in the way of important administrative duties, um, you lose credibility with your administrative peers. Um, folks who are looking to you to be that leader, um, you have to show up, you have to complete uh, your tasks, you have to be able to get things done. Now, I will tell you that the auctioner system heavily relies on what we call diet. I have an administrative partner and I use my administrative partner, boy, I, you know, I, everything that he can do, he practices at the top of his license because I make sure that I delegate things that he can do to him. And I don't do things that I don't, that don't really require me to do them. And so it's important when you're taking on these roles and, and projects is a great way to get started is to lead a project and complete a project successfully. That gives people the confidence that you can move into a, a, a titled role. Um, so look for, I tell people who are looking to think of projects or to look for projects that they can join and complete as a, as the building blocks to getting to the final role. Michael's a perfect example of this. He can tell you about his role of change management when he was the clinical um, care redesign person. Um, mm -hmm. The reason his CEO liked him for this job is because he was such a change agent. He was so good at getting things done at Mass General. And that guy said, I want, I need those things done. Well, mm -hmm. Right, Michael? No, I think that's true. I, I guess the other thing I would say, Rox, and uh, th this may not make you happy, but it happens to be true. Just because a physician is a very busy, highly regarded clinical expert, the go-to doc when going gets tough, that does not mean that that person will be the best administrative leader. Yeah, and no, there's there no skills, question about that. And there were skills I would just that, that I, I was Sorry, just going to say there I were skills that, that no, it's fine. There are skills that clinicians need to learn that they don't possess to become a great leader. And and the first step is realizing that you got to learn skills that you don't have. So what are those skills? Well, let me just add to that, Michael. Is that I frequently ask people whether they like the job or the title. Um, because the folks who like the title but not the job, um, they don't do well. And, and it's important to have that very frank conversation up front because the job is reading a spreadsheet, reading a financial statement, um, being able to have difficult conversations in, a, in an emotionally stable way so that you don't make enemies when you have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have, I have six skills that I think physicians who want to be leaders have to have. Mm -hmm. So one is they not only have to know how to lead a team, but they have to function as part of a team. That's a completely different nuance. Secondly, as Chris just said, they have to have emotional intelligence. It's not just clinical intelligence, operational intelligence. They have to be able to read the people they're working with who's sitting across from them. They've got to be experts at conflict resolution, and it can't always be the way they think the conflict should be resolved. In other words, they can't sit there and say, what is wrong with this person? Why don't they think about it like I do? They've got to realize that there's another side to that story. They have to be situationally intelligent. They have to speak the language of finance and population health, and they've got to be change agent masters. They've got to be hungry for change management. Which is the biggest task. No doubt. 
Yeah. So, you know, these are, these, this is great. I mean, you know, be a team player, be intelligent, both emotionally and situationally resolve conflicts without in a, in an objective manner, not a subjective one in a biased way, be a change day agent, um, have, have vision. Uh, and, and then important, the most important is this fiscal responsibility that, you absolutely must have some understanding of that. And, and a lot of us are pretty bad at all these things, <laughs> frankly, yeah, you, well, if you think about it. <laughs> don't you think? We're quite opinionated. We think we're just the greatest. Um, uh, resolving conflicts is difficult because we think, you know, especially in, as an interventional cardiologist. Uh, I think we are visionary. And uh, as far as fiscal responsibility, nobody ever teaches us that. Um, and um, I, and I think we are pretty situationally intelligent as well. So it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting set of skills. I love these uh, six pointers. Um, I, w- I would just add one other thing, Rox. When we're talking yeah. to youngsters or younger people, emerging career leaders who who want to be somebody, <clears throat> I look for people who are willing to spend their own political capital for the welfare of the system or the hospital or the practice. Um, when you ask people to change, you, it's like asking for favors. You, have, you put yeah. yourself out there. You have to be willing. And so when I see people who are willing to do the right thing um, and then influence those around them, not command people, but influence people to do better behaviors, those are the folks that I, I make a note and say, that's, that's a guy I want for my next section head or division lead. Or uh, I, It's not necessarily the clinical champion who's the best heart surgeon in the world, uh, but who keeps saying, I want to use new devices that cost more money and don't do better for patients. Um, mm-hmm. that, that person can't lead the change management. The fiscal responsibility in healthcare today is, is our number one priority. We have to make care affordable. Um, it currently isn't affordable. And mm-hmm. without significant change in how we practice, you know, that's what leadership is going to be about in the next decade. Well, I would love it if the two of you would put a opinion piece like this as a viewpoint, and I can tell you that we'd be interested in it for JAMA Cardiology. I think it would be wonderful to put this Rock's Heart Radio show in writing and have it, if the two of you come up with just a little bit of a viewpoint, because many of us now are thinking about, um, you know, what's the next stage? What's next? And... um and hospital administration leadership in uh, divisions and in positions of leaderships are obviously sort of the very next step for some of us who have come to a certain level and uh, and want more and believe that we could do better for the system and that our um, talents could then be obviously then explored and then um, we can have happier lives and, and, and hopefully in turn, uh, the healthcare system would be better off with uh, with uh, leaders uh, that would have the right um, uh, talent and the right um, uh, you know the the right stuff to come to the table with. So this has been a fantastic, fantastic uh, uh, set of great advice from two experts. I can't thank you both enough. Uh, I know that you're both extremely busy, and I really appreciate you being on Rock's Heart Radio. And I can't wait to get you back on because I have more questions for you and um, I know this will be a a well listened to podcast and I thank you both for being a part of this thank you it's my pleasure yep thank you for inviting guys and we got all the skills so we'll 
have a lot of leaders. <laughs> Keep listening to Rock's Heart Radio. Thank you all. <laughs>